0: Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents, where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan.
1: Hello, welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk. This is Azure.
2: Hi guys, Dr. Chris. Hope everyone's doing well.
1: Yeah, how is everybody today? How are you, Dr. Chris?
2: It's been a long day. I worked a shift today. It's been uh, it's a hot day outside, so we saw the typical uh, lots of fractures, lots of lacerations, lots fall, of outdoor
1: activity-related things.
2: Falling off of scooters, monkey bars, rashes—you name it, we saw it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's been really hot these past few days. I know you'll hear you'll hear us say that a lot. Just Pennsylvania has such extremes; it's insane. Uh, talking about the summer activities and all of the things surrounding that. There are a lot of, you know, camping and uh, other activities going on and kayaking, outside wood hiking, all those things. And with co- what comes with that is insect bites, rashes, all those lovely skin issues that we are always concerned about when we see something red on our body or something a squiggly line, right? And... We are here to talk about a lot of those things and kind of put your mind at ease and uh, give you a little bit of insight on the most common rashes and insect insect bites. So we're going to call today Bite Stings and Things. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have a class that's really just focused all on this, by the way, everybody. And this is really kind of just hitting the... Um, peak of the iceberg, if you will. So this is just really mo- more of the common ones, and Dr. Chris is going to really elaborate on a lot of these things.
2: Yeah, and you don't have pictures to look at. You can go check out our blogs that are available as well if you want to check out pictures, but I'll try to describe them to the best of my ability.
1: Oh, it's going to be great descriptions.
2: You know, red and bumpy.
1: Red and bumpy. Hot red, red- and bumpy. <laughs> red is going to be the most common color of tonight's topic. Uh, not always. Now, talking about bite stings and things, Dr. Chris, what is the first thing that comes to your mind that you want to discuss?
2: So I would start with rashes, major- far, far away, the majority of rashes really, really bother parents. And half the times they don't even bother the kids at all. And you know, in medicine, we approach rashes in a way that there are only a couple that are going to hurt your child or an adult. Um, The rashes that we worry about, one of them is called petechiae. Petechiae look like almost... um,
1: That's a fun word, actually.
2: It's P-E-T-E-C-H-I-A. I (laughs) I love petechiae. Uh, We don't like them.
1: It sounds like a really rare dish of some sort, doesn't it? (laughs)
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Petechiae look like reddish pinpoint blood spots. And you may have seen them from, sometimes you'll see them from too much vomiting. You'll see them on a child's face or an adult's face. It almost looks like capillaries broke or blood vessels broke. And that's a scary rash. Um, If you have it above your shoulders and you're vomiting, you don't need to worry about it. But if you develop petechiae on your legs or your arms, things that you worry about are bleeding disorders or platelet disorders. And petechiae can sometimes be associated with meningitis as well. So, you see petechiae, you need to get your child checked out. We've talked about this before, and we've talked about what blanching is, and we talk about it in our classes. We've we've coached parents around this as well. And it's the a be- really
1: great technique. The
2: best way I can describe it is, you take your finger across a rash, and the rash disappears.
1: Like the redness goes away temporarily. It just,
2: it just temporarily goes away and comes back. So, if you think about it, you have an insect bite, and you rub your finger across that insect bite it'll really go away, that redness goes away. And the difference is with petechiae, it doesn't go away. And that's one of the scary rashes. The other rash that we worry about, and there's three of them, and there there are more, but these are the three big ones that we're concerned about. And I tell parents if it's not one of those three, We know lots of rashes and as pediatricians, we know a ton of rashes, but we don't know all of them. And we have kids who come in with two weeks of rash and they've scratched it and it looks like nothing and we can't figure out what it is, but we know that it's not gonna hurt your child. Other rash is something called purpura and it's very much like petechiae, but it's big rounded blood spots. And they're a little darker. They're a little more purple. They almost look like a bruise, but they don't go away when we push on them or we do that blanching. They can be associated with something called Henlock-Shanline purpura. It's a viral illness. It's a vasculitis. Typically, kids get it on their lower extremities and can have other things associated with, with it. And you can get purpura with some really severe illnesses. So if you see either, those are times where I'm going to tell you, call your pediatrician, go to the emergency department, do not pass go. You go to triage and you say, my child's got petechiae in their legs, you're going to be whipped back into the emergency department and you're going to be seen pretty quickly because it's associated with meningitis. The third one is what we call vesicular lesions, Um, petechiae, purpure, and bullae. So vesicular lesions are vesicles and they look like blisters. So anytime you have blisters, you want to get them checked out as well. And I'm talking big blisters or small blisters. Probably want to talk to your pediatrician about it. But I also want to talk about thinking and having parents really think about where their children are, what they're exposed to. Um, I had a kid yesterday who came in with poison ivy on their face, and the parents thought it was monkeypox. And you know, I said to them, you know, monkeypox is not really being transmitted um, kid to kid. It's probably not. Oh well, we were in the backyard yesterday. Well, it was poison ivy.
1: That's a good thing to think about when you're like, okay, hold on, let's work backwards. Correct. Where were we today? What did we do? Did we go swimming? Did I put sunblock on? Was it an irritant C- of correct. some sort? These C- are the things we like to think about correct. when we're like, oh, you're like, I got to I gotta go to the doctor. But just think about it, and, where you were.
2: And before you react, kind of step back and think about it. Was I outside? Were we camping the weekend before? Did I pull a tick off of my child a week prior? And I just pulled a tick out. of I've pulled two ticks out this week and we'll talk a little bit about pulling ticks out how to do that later Um, parents can very much do that on their own they're Uh, just gross they are i think they're (laughs) gross too
1: when i go to the er just so like you can pull a tick off me at baby because they're gross Um,
2: they, they absolutely are gross and one of the things to also think about is what we call a rash distribution so azure if your little girl goes out And she has a rash only on the parts of her body that were exposed outside. So on her arms below her shirt sleeves and on her legs below her shorts, it's probably from some sort of environmental exposure. Is it from a plant? Was it from being in a hot tub? Lots and lots of different reasons um, that you will do that. A great example is we have kids every once in a while that will come in with a rash right below their belly button between their pubic bone and their belly button. It's a little circular rash. It looks like it's reddish, little raised, um, little flaky. And typically that's from a nickel allergy. That's from the, the buckle on your pants. And it's usually made of nickel. And it's an allergy. You can get it on your ears as well. Some kids will get it on their ears. But it's think about that as the distribution. That's where the button is on your pants. So as you're thinking about rashes. The
1: area of contact.
2: Where was the contact? Where is it? Um, what did they touch? Where were they? All of those things are really, really important. And like I said, and we all know this, you know, summer rashes are really, really common. Um, let's start really, you know, let's talk about insect bites just broadly to start with. And one of the most common things we see is insect bites. One of the most common things that we see are mosquito bites and kids react sometimes different than adults. And I've had children come in on a Saturday morning after they've been outside playing or at a baseball game and they have this big welt on their forehead and parents are scared to death and rightly so. But I walk in and I'm like, yeah, it's probably a mosquito bite or an insect bite. They react a little more because they've not been exposed to those contacts in the past. So let's start off with talking about some of the different rashes. And I know you asked me some questions about different rashes.
1: Yeah, let's start with prickly heat.
2: Yeah, and this is really one of the most common summer rashes. And it's called Miliaria as well. And it's a rash and we've all seen it. We see it in babies. Um, it can be in different forms, but it's small red bumps. We talked about that term. They're red and it blanches. Um, it can be uncomfortable. It can be itchy. And really what it is, is sweat that gets trapped under the skin and it clogs the pores a little bit. Um, how do you prevent it? What do you do? Probably can't prevent all of it, but keeping areas that are cool and dry. You know, if you think about babies and they have a diaper on and they have pants on, um, it gets sweaty. And you can get milia anywhere on your body or miliaria and prickly heat anywhere in your body. But really, you want to keep the skin cool and dry. Any area that's going to be wet and damp, you're going to get that. And how do you treat it? Dry it off, first and foremost. And, And we have a rule in medicine in general, and it's kind of the rules of rashes. And we kind of joke, if it's wet, make it dry. If it's dry, make it wet. And if you don't know what it is, you don't have to touch it. And if you do, you don't have to touch it either. And we will never, you know, we go in and we do our best at rashes, but a little over the counter calamine lotion will work a little over the counter hydrocortisone. If it's itchy, you can give your children oral Benadryl and that will really help get them out of the environment dry it off. and It's usually gone by the next day.
1: You say calamine and I just remember being a kid, my mother putting it all over me. I would I come you to in to do
2: oatmeal baths too.
1: Uh, she didn't do that, but you know, I as a kid, you're so like oblivious to what's going on around you a lot of times. You don't even feel a bug biting you and I'd come in with like 30 mosquito bites and totally not prepared, right? And I'd come in, she'd be like, "Oh, let me just get some calamine lotion." And I'd have these spots all over me, these pink lotiony spots. And it smelled weird, and it dried, and it got hardened, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this totally could have been avoided. Why didn't I just wear bug spray?
2: I would, I would say, you know, it certainly helps, and part of that is the drying out that really works, and it helps a lot. You know, you bring up a really good topic, also of what you can do and what you can't do, and what the things that'll worsen rashes. Uh, One of the things, and you know, a couple times a week, I have a child that will be diagnosed with a rash and they'll come back later. Typically, it's eight, nine o'clock at night. And if you think about the pattern of when people come to a pediatric ER, the volumes increase after school, after camp, right around 30 3 o'clock, you know, and they will increase until about 11 or 12 o'clock. And then the volumes drop off after, after kids go to sleep somewhere in that ballpark.
1: Well, that but- makes sense.
2: A hundred percent. And one of the things that we see is people will bounce back into the emergency department after diagnosed, you know, I diagnosed prickly heat or I diagnosed some other rash and they put their child in a warm bath at night. That is the biggest no-no. And what I tell parents and I've done it more as I've gotten more progressed in my career because I've seen kids bounce back is anytime you get in a warm bath, it brings blood to the surface. And it will make it more itchy. It'll make the rash worse. And the kids end up coming back into the ER because now the rash is worse. And I'll look at them. I said, did you put your child in a bath? Because it's usually around 8, 9 o'clock. And they're like, yeah. And we give them a little Benadryl and we'll send them home. So avoid those baths with rashes. Something tepid, something not hot, something not cold. And these are really basic things you can do at home. And like we talked about, the majority, and we're going to say this over and over again, the majority of rashes can be managed at home.
1: Yeah, and if you forget... Cold warm, or cold compresses as well. Briefly. Absolutely. That really, I know, even me, you know, I get something itchy and I'm like, oh, I'm going to put an ice cube on it or I'll, you know, a, a cold ice pack and gently, and it just removes, removes that urge to itch it to that feeling of it, whether it has its own little pulse. Do you know what I mean?
2: And I'm going to play ER doctor for a minute. Be really careful about putting ice directly on skin. Oh yeah, always, don't do that. Always put a barrier in between. Ice works great, but... We've had kids come in with burns from prolonged ice, especially younger kids that can't remove it or say anything and pretty significant burns that can burn over time. You can get secondary burns from ice, so you have to be really, really careful.
1: And you know, since we're on the insect bite, insect bite uh, page here, uh, let's talk about a couple more insect bites. You know, we got bee stings, you know, your typical mosquito bites and then others.
2: Yeah, you know, there's. We talked about mosquitoes, and you know, in the summertime, there's ticks, there's fleas, there's bee stings, various types of bee stings, there's fire ants, and the majority of bites will cause. If you have a single bite, will cause redness, swelling, and itching. Um, rarely, and we'll talk about Lyme disease and West Nile virus later, and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. They can cause more severe illness, um, but. They're there. You can you know, certainly bug spray to avoid them. Or
1: just put Azure around you because clearly when I'm around a group of people, no one gets eaten. I do. They're like, oh, that bonfire was really nice. I didn't get bit once. And I'm like, yeah, because I got bit the entire time. That's why. They were all yeah. feasting on me. So you were saved. You're welcome.
2: Well, what can you do to prevent them, right? You can wear long sleeves. will definitely help. You can use insect repellent and certainly want to use an insect repellent that's appropriate for children.
1: Dress up and down long sleeves.
2: (laughs) I'm imagining you dressed in like a full snow suit. Oh, I do. If I'm
1: invited outside anywhere after like close to dusk, it's sweatpants, socks over the sweatpants, sandals over the socks so I can monitor. And then I have a long sleeve like sweatshirt on, and then I have the hoodie over my head, hair tied and like, what is it? The drawstrings pulled shut. On my face. It's trying to hide. Uh,
2: I would say first and foremost, though, of all the things we've talked about so far, mosquito bites are most common. And what can you do? You can do the azure calamine lotion where you put the little drops all over the place. That will certainly help. You can do Benadryl. Um, you can certainly use hydrocortisone. It's a local itch cream that will help as well. Um, you can give an over-the-counter you know, oral Benadryl. And things that you need to worry about. So these will all go away on their own if you just let them go away. And if they don't go away and they start to spread or get bigger, or they're really warm to touch, or they have a discharge, or they have an area that looks like an abscess, then you need to get seen. That could be a start of cellulitis. Um, Sometimes we have difficulty differentiating when a child has a bite on their upper lid of their eye. Between did they get an insect bite or are they developing an early infection of their upper lid? So sometimes we'll treat with oral antibiotics as well as oral um, Benadryl. So, and if you see that, then you need to go see a doctor right away. Uh, other things that we see commonly, we've all seen bee stings. Have you been stung by a bee? Yeah,
1: uh, I think like only twice in my whole life, honestly, maybe three times.
2: Yeah. It's surprising I, though. We have a lot of kids who come into the ER. wasps bees correct and we don't i don't differentiate their bee stings um they don't really do much difference you know we don't worry you know occasionally we'll have a child come in in the summer that's at 30 40 insect bites um what you need to worry about and you know what these look like is they look almost like what we call wheels and we spell that w-h-e-e-l they're almost like a small plateau of skin that is elevated a little bit with a central area Um, and we have parents come in that want them checked out um generally you don't have to if you've not had a major reaction and we'll talk about that in a minute.
1: It almost looks like when you go get an allergy test they put like a little amount of fluid under the skin like a pocket and yeah. it's raised much like you described.
2: Absolutely. And it can get blotchy around it as well.
1: It usually looks lighter.
2: Yeah, it almost looks like red a, around almost it. like a single hive as well. Um, but Typically it's blotchy. you can get you'll get some pain, you'll get some swelling, you'll get some redness and most of the time they go away, they'll be itchy for a day or two and it's still the same treatment. Um, what you really need to worry about is a couple things. Um, one, you want to remove the stinger.
1: That uh, was my first my first thought.
2: So what have you been told how do you remove a stinger?
1: Well, I was told to remove the stinger, get your magnifying glass, and you get tweezers. Make sure it's out.
2: Okay. I would say one of the easier ways to do that and put your magnifying glass and your microscope away and various other
1: things,
2: (laughs) get a credit card. Open your wallet and take a credit card at a 45 degree angle and run it right across. Kind
1: of like you're scraping a windshield
2: of ice. Exactly. Take it right across. That'll get the stinger out and you'll have no issues whatsoever. Um, It works very quickly. Um, I think it's important also to talk about the word anaphylaxis. And a bee sting where we talked about that local swelling, that's a local allergic reaction. What we worry about is severe anaphylactic reactions or what we call generalized reactions. And with them, you not only get that local area, but then you get hives all over your body. You get redness, you get blotchiness, you get swelling in your throat, you get shortness of breath, you can get dizzy, you can vomit. If you see signs of that, you need to call 911. If your child has had a previous reaction to a bee, likely like that you probably have an EpiPen at home and you should give your child an EpiPen. If not, the paramedics will likely give your child an EpiPen and you wanna get treatment immediately, if you're having any of those symptoms. And we've talked about this on prior podcasts, don't pop your kid in the back of the car, you can't do anything for them in the back of the car, you're likely to have an accident if you're rushing. So you know, if you think your child's having a serious anaphylactic reaction, you should call 911.
1: And talking about bee stings, my mom used to do this. I know I'm talking about my mom a lot. Uh, She put used to I had a bee sting, and she put meat tenderizer on my bee sting. Have you heard of that?
2: I have, and I've seen it used for... Um,
1: I'm just like, I can't even keep a straight face saying that.
2: Well, we've kind of abridged this bite stings and things, and I would tell you there's there's a full chapter in our textbook on bite stings and things. I don't believe it's called that, but it's a lot broader than that. So it encompasses jellyfish and you know snakes and um, I'm trying to think of tarantula bites and... Yeah, you name it. It's there because we've seen it. I've had a shark bite in my career. I've had someone step on a, um, a scorpion in an airport, a uh,
1: scorpion in I, an airport.
2: They had just arrived in the United States from um, the Middle East. They were having their luggage looked at and a big black scorpion popped out and stung the kid. Um, so it happens and you know you never in a million years did i ever think i'd see a scorpion bite and i did
1: so maybe we should just get light colored suitcases to see scorpions a little better
2: uh, possibly Um, just be careful when you're digging through your stuff if you're you know coming back from an area that may have it australia and and that's also really important to think about when you're traveling as well you're going to be exposed and understand what you're going to be exposed to potentially while you're there i remember coming back from a vacation in mexico and i brought Unbeknownst to me, a family of ants back with me that I couldn't get rid of for <laughs> for for weeks. So, yeah. So it really happens, and you're going to deal with it wherever you are.
1: Um, hey, hold on. Come back to the meat tenderizer thing. You've heard of it. You said yeah,
2: it. It's not been proven to do anything.
1: Yeah, I don't presume so. Yeah. And
2: we'll go back even further and talk about jellyfish things. Right. We were talking about those other bites and stings. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the one of the questions we always get on our boards is a child comes out of the ocean and has a welt on their leg and is crying and it's painful. And I, I want to go back to these things a little bit in a minute because we were talking about this meat tenderizer. <laughs> um, but literature has really shown that and that question, by the way, that I was talking about is it's a multiple choice question. And, you know, and we kind of joke, you know, what do you think you should do with a. A sting from a jellyfish. What have you heard?
1: You're supposed to pee on it.
2: Yes. I knew exactly <laughs> you were going to tell me that. And, and I
1: said that on purpose.
2: And and honestly, it does nothing. And meat tenderizer doesn't do anything. And what's interesting, and I, I find this, and it's just me being a nerd, um, what I find interesting about ver- marine envenomations, and this is venom from jellyfish, from stingray, from a variety of different things in the, and the ocean. water, yeah they have toxin that's, it's described as heat labile. And what that means is at high temperatures, it breaks down and it goes away. So for instance, if you have a stingray sting, or you've gotten their barb in the back of your leg, and it's extremely painful, I've seen one in my career, you put them in 110, 120 degree water, and the pain goes away. Because the toxin is heat labile, and it's now been destroyed and it's gone. So what can you do with, you know, bee stings, make sure the stingers out, bring it kind of back to our bee stings, you know, make sure the stingers out, Um, wash it with soap and water. You don't want to get infected. You should really do that for all insect bites as well. Certainly a little bit of hydrocortisone directly on it, little calamine, oral Benadryl, make sure and look out that you're not having anaphylaxis. And certainly we can do another Bites, Things and Things podcast where we talk about some other fun bites. Um, I recently had a water moccasin bite in the emergency department. And when I talked to the toxicologist, he said things are changing. I never expected to see one in Pennsylvania where where we live. And he said as global warming is increasing, which not sure it is or it isn't.
1: They're coming warmer They're coming
2: area. further south. They're
1: getting a little comfortable.
2: And we're starting to see rattlers in this area as well. Um, kind of scary. I walked into the room going, Oh, it was probably just a gardener snake that had bit I was and this girl's you know, hand was blown up like a balloon. Um, it needed to be transferred to a bigger children's hospital, needed something called Crowfab, which is anti venom. Um, so you know, you can see lots of different bites and stings. And for me, I love bites and stings.
1: Yeah, clearly. It's, he has a <laughs> the biggest grin on his face. Coming back to Lyme disease and ticks. Where so what, does Lyme disease come from?
2: So Lyme disease, you're going to get from ticks, right? Typically, it's not the big ticks that you see.
1: Not the big bulbous ones. You know, the the ones teeny that, the ones. The ones that
2: we always hate. Deer um, ticks. All ticks feed on blood. Gross. And you can get the bacteria that causes it is called Borrelia burgdorferi. Latin terms, right? But it's we call it Borrelia. And it's transmitted by deer ticks. And the two different ticks are the black legged deer tick and the western black legged or um, western black legged tick. So you can see that on the west coast. You can see it on the east coast. Where did Lyme come from? Do you have any idea?
1: Someone was. where the name
2: come from? I should someone say. Someone
1: was sick who was named Lyme.
2: No. <laughs> I've actually driven through the town of Lyme, Connecticut.
1: first case that was where that's
2: where it came from and it's most common on the mid-atlantic and new england coast all up and down the east coast you'll see it you will see it a little bit in the south as well but if you did any medical training from anywhere virginia up we all know how to deal with lyme disease and what does lyme disease do
1: I have a close friend who has Lyme disease, and I feel so badly. It was him and his father, and his father is currently going through some neurological issues, joint pain, and it's unfortunate.
2: There are different types of Lyme disease, and some of this is kind of out of the scope of what we're talking about today, but it can cause meningitis. Um, It can cause severe joint pain. Um, But typically, you know, it starts out, you don't necessarily have to have a rash Typically, there's an insect bite, and like I said, these are the small ticks, and you'll get a little fever, you'll get a little fatigue, and, you know, the thing everyone talks about with Lyme is that ring-shaped rash that looks like a bullseye bullseye or a target lesion, and it's, you know, kind of a red circle, you know, it can vary, it can be really large, it can be up to 12 inches. The rash can occur over several after several days of infection. It usually doesn't start right away. And as I said, it doesn't occur in every child. Uh, the rash can be huge. It can be up that target lesion or that bullseye we talked about can be up to 12 inches. One of the most bizarre I've ever seen was a child that had the target lesion or the bullseye on their face. Oh. And half of it was in their scalp, and half of the circle was on the right side of their face, and it almost just looked like a semicircle. Um, And the parents are like, they have this weird rash. And I looked at it and I was like, "That's that's Lyme. And they were Lyme positive. And, you know, like we said, it can cause joint pain. It can cause fatigue. And if you think your child has it, you really need to go get tested. Typically, it's not a test you're going to get back immediately in the emergency department. It takes a few days to come back. I also want to comment about a couple things. When you come in with a tick bite, parents... Or like, are we being treated for Lyme disease and the literature and the guidance says, don't do that. You're looking out for symptoms. If your child develops the symptoms we've talked about and you think your child might have Lyme, then go see your pediatrician um, or present to the emergency department. Your pediatrician can likely deal with this. The treatment is antibiotics and it can range from anywhere from 14 days to a month, depending on what stage of illness you have, whether you have early stage illness, middle stage or late stage illness.
1: I want to talk about how we can prevent this.
2: So what do you think? What would you do?
1: First case is, I mean, the first line of defense is obviously keeping yourself covered. wear the covered. hoodie
2: really tight? Yes.
1: Pull the hoodie. Tuck your pants into your socks. And no joking. No, seriously. Walking in I the woods. I hope all of
2: our people, all the people listening have a picture of Azure in their head, <laughs> dressed in five layers of sweatpants. Pretty with much her, in the middle of the hoodie, summer. Their hoodie pulled tight in 95 degree weather. I know.
1: Uh, yeah. When you're hiking, you know, wear light colored clothing do ch- tick checks after after you're done in outside activity make sure you're doing it on each other you know why look through each other's hair all of these things the sooner so, the better so why
2: light colored clothing
1: light colored clothing well a lot of fleas all those things they love the like natural animal color and it usually means food Okay. They, they, they I, gravitate I'm, towards. I'm going to
2: push back on that.
1: Yeah. And, you always and do. I don't
2: know the answer.
1: Nobody's I, 100% I, I sure. Know,
2: I know lots of answers to things, but I don't know that.
1: But they love, they tend to gravitate towards, like, you know, a bear, a deer, all these animals that have like darker colored skin, you know. Um,
2: but you might be doing your disservice and get a bee sting because they're looking for bright colors.
1: Exactly. Okay. We can't win them all.
2: One of the things I, I was very fortunate to be able... It also
1: s- makes it easier to find all these bugs on you and crawling on you because a tick actually doesn't just touch your skin and immediately bite you. It finds a location, usually nice and warm and like, a, like kind of a crevice, like under your armpit, behind your ear, that yeah, kind of very thing. Very
2: common in your hair.
1: In your hair. Uh, and they search and it's not instantaneous so it gives you time to really look for those insects actually it's not an insect it's an arachnid it is so there we go and i want
2: to go back to colors okay and one of the things i was very fortunate to go on safari um years ago in uh, tanzania and oh
1: i love i love this
2: and one of the things that you're told is not to wear blue at all you will get absolutely attacked by tsetse flies and they can cause heart issues and various other things, and so there is something to be said for color. I think you and I need to do our homework and come back at the next podcast. And yeah, we're gonna have, we'll to have to test to this one out. Have to try to figure. It I out. was
1: told though, it, they say they do gravitate towards darker, like that more was from, natural color. Doctor Google. That, no. <laughs> um, anyway, this was from an outdoors expert person, but uh, who, who, you know, we're gonna times do, have we'll changed. We'll do our homework and come back. That was years ago.
2: See what the see what the experts say. I want to go back to tick checks. And tick checks include all body surface areas, in between toes, in between fingers, um, genital region, in your hair. And this should be done, really come home, take a shower, take a bath, and then begin to look and really look closely.
1: And going back to what you said, it's not usually the biggest ticks that cause Lyme disease. It's the teeny ones. Yeah, exactly. Deer ticks around here most common that carry Lyme disease. And oh, they're so small.
2: They're the only ones. Deer ticks are the only ones that do carry it. And they're tiny and you may not see them.
1: So really, really close evaluation.
2: Yeah, Let's transition a little bit to Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Have you ever heard of it? I have. What do you know about it?
1: It looks very spotted.
2: Yes, it is very spotted. But I have
1: not had Rocky Mountain spotted fever. I know that.
2: Um, Most people have not. And this is one of those things that is a serious, serious bacterial infection. Um, And it's seen most commonly mid-Atlantic, Southeast US. And really what happens is symptoms include a rash. Um, You get it from, it's passed on by mosquitoes usually. And typically you start off with like a fever, you're feeling achy. And then what's This is known for as a rash that you get on your wrists and your ankles, and it progresses towards the midline. And if untreated, this can lead to death, and it can lead to kidney failure, it can lead to severe, severe problem, and it needs antibiotics and usually IV antibiotics.
1: Does this blanch?
2: Um, This does not usually blanch, and it causes kind of that particular purple. So this is
1: one of the things, everyone, you should check blanching. This is an important one. Abs- go get go get uh, checked out right away.
2: Absolutely. And a lot of it's, you know, other things you get with it, you get fever, you get headache, you get sore throat, it can look like flu.
1: Yeah, it does sound a lot like yeah. flu symptoms. Light
2: sensitivity, body aches. Um, those are signs also of meningitis. When you start to get body aches, you get light sensitivity, you have headache, um, but this can cause serious, serious bacterial infection and blood infections and shock. And this is something that we really, really worry about. So if you think your child has this, and like I said, think about the distribution of the rash. This rash is distributed on ankles and wrists and that's where it starts. Um, and not different than a meningitis. Typically a meningitis will start on ankles. Um, so if you see that particular rash on ankles, you need to get checked out. The other virus we see, which we, I'm sure you've heard of, in the news is West Nile. And this is pretty rare, but there's, I would say little areas of that it pops up in yearly. And West Nile virus is a rare but serious viral infection. It's caused by a flavivirus, another funky word. Flavi. Uh, I
1: like saying that.
2: Um, and it's a virus that's commonly found not in the US in West Africa, West Asia, Middle East, Europe. And it's again transmitted by those damn mosquitoes. And You know, what it causes is rash fever, headache. And again, very much like Rocky Mountain spotted fever, it can lead to serious health problems and it can cause encephalitis. And what is encephalitis? Think about your brain and the best way I can describe it is it's covered in a couple layers of Ziploc bags. And encephalitis is where you get inflammation of the covering of your brain. You get inflammation of the brain as a whole. And it can cause lots of problems and very similar to what we talked about in avoiding Lyme disease and avoiding Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, avoiding West Nile is wearing those clothes, you know, dressing up like Azure and where you have your, your, your hood tied really tight and wearing long sleeves, long pants and insect repellent using a great insect repellent. And typically they talk about DEET involved yeah, they in it. Yeah, we don't
1: want to use too much DEET. But. No,
2: especially young kids, but it definitely will help. And that's spelled D-E-E-T and something that if you have any thoughts that your child may have, West Mile, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, anything like that, you need to get checked out right away.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, we have a couple more rashes that we want to bring up.
2: We have lots of rashes. We well, do rashes all night.
1: <laughs> a couple that are on your to-do right now. Plant dermatitis.
2: Okay. So plant dermatitis. You brought
1: also, this up earlier.
2: Also known as poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac. Parents okay. come in and they're like, what kind is it? I have no idea. They all look exactly the same. And the rash, I, this one is really neat in a way from my standpoint. It causes redness. It causes swelling. It causes blistering. But it typically is in a linear pattern. It's kind of in a line. And I want to go back to insect bites. And one of the things we missed is insects like to do something called breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they typically have a snack along the way.
1: Yeah, they have snacks all over me.
2: So, you know, if you think about it, you're going to have a pattern in that area where it goes back to the pattern thing, where you have one bite, a couple centimeters away, you have another, then you have another bite, and it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're feeding on you as they go. Um, And if you think about poison ivy, it tends to have this kind of almost raised red, almost line. Like
1: a striation, yeah.
2: A little bit. And, and not always, it can be in clusters and it can be, it's usually raised and it has very fine vesicles or blisters. And you know, what do you do if you think your child has poison ivy? This goes back to your favorite thing, calamine lotion will definitely help. Um,
1: Make sure you're washing the area of soapy water, getting those oils yes, and, off of, under your fingernails, Use a nail brush from this, the surface.
2: That's great that you said that. And one of the things that I counsel all parents, and I have these boys that are nine, 10 years old, and they're, they're out for the summer, and they're riding bikes, and they're coming in with poison ivy all over their face, and I look at their fingernails, and I kind of roll my eyes in disgust as the parent does the same thing, and they're, they're dirt and grimy, they've not cut their fingernails. The oils are what causes this. So if you have poison ivy on your arm, and I touch it as a doctor, I can't get poison ivy because there's not oil in the actual lesions itself. The oil is under your fingernails. So what happens is you will get it. It's under your fingernails, on your hands, where you start scratching on your face, on your legs, wherever. That's where you're going to get it. You're going to get it from continued exposure over time to oils. And I'll have kids that will come in that Parents are like, you know, I've treated, I've washed it, but they don't clean their hands. They don't wash it on their fingernails. So that brush thing, the soap and water, that will really, really help. I think the other thing that's really important with poison ivy is the rash when it occurs on the face can be really, really bad. It's the one time that the majority of us will use oral steroids. So if your child's having difficulty with poison ivy and you think it's poison ivy on their face, then you probably need to go get checked out by your doctor.
1: And what do they say? Leaves of three, let it be. So to identify a lot of these sneaky, mean plants, a lot of times it's just a leaf, or a, has a, like a, a branch with three leaves next to each other.
2: And they, they, they identify sometimes as shiny.
1: Yeah, very shiny. Not well, always, but.
2: One of the things that's really hard is you can actually get it from the vines where they have no leaves as well. And I've seen really- They kind of
1: have like this hairy looking vine.
2: I've had really devastating plant dermatitis where someone has burned it and inhaled it and they've gotten it in their lungs um, and they've been really sick from it. So you have to be really careful what you're burning as well. You know, big campfire, big bonfire, and you throw, you know, these vines in it. And it was actually poison ivy that you've now vaporized into the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you said, clean soap and water under the nails, um, be really, really careful.
1: couple other things. We have summer's itch.
2: You say summer's itch or swimmer's itch?
1: Swimmer's itch. Sorry, I meant to say swimmers, not summer's itch. You're fixated on summer? It is a summer (laughs) itch.
2: So swimmer's itch is called circarial dermatitis. And this is a rash that's caused by contact with water that contains a small parasite that gets into our skin by accident. And most commonly it's in U.S. lakes. And most commonly it's actually not on the east coast it's in michigan the great lakes and they get it it gets into the water from bird droppings i'm not swimming in lakes anytime soon Um,
1: especially not stagnant ones
2: yes and what it does is it causes acute onset so pretty rapid onset within two hours of swimming of redness swelling um and it looks like small red dots that turn into red lumps and unfortunately they're there for a couple of weeks they're not going to go away they'll go away on their own there's no real treatment and um how do you avoid it you talked about it you avoid stagnant water um, it occasionally can be in salt water but not commonly and really you just want to avoid contact with anything that's potentially contaminated wash there with soap and water yeah and, right away and like we said it's really just supportive care if you're having symptoms if it's itchy you can use oral Benadryl. Um, same thing, a little calamine lotion, hydrocortisone. It's like, if you tell me you're sick, what do I tell you? Ibuprofen, Tylenol, Zofran. Um, same, warm
1: compresses. Warm You'll compress. feel a little pressure.
2: Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it goes back to the same things. And the majority of this is really just supportive care.
1: And this one, you know, it's kind of similar to hot tub folliculitis, too. Contaminated water.
2: It is. And I've actually had something, a very interesting exposure when I was diving. And I got a rash all over my body and the apparently where I was, the jellyfish larvae were released and I was diving and I had red dots all over my body for two days because apparently you get little baby stings from the larvae. Uh, larvae yeah are
1: they, they just babies
2: they are it's their babies and they but they still sting believe it or not they're,
1: they're they're not larvae they're babies then
2: uh that's what they call them really uh, i would
1: I, just consider them a baby jellyfish because they're, they are look like a jellyfish they act like one they're I, functioning like yeah, one possibly i just call baby but, jellyfish. but either
2: way it's it's very similar i've
1: seen it, finding nemo i hear you I know what a baby jellyfish crush is, like. is
2: my favorite <laughs> um the other thing that's really important with this is it's, you, you treat it the same way, but you're you're going to know. You're going to know rapidly um, what happens. But let's get back to hot tub folliculitis. And first, young children should not be in a hot tub, and you need to be really careful and keep an eye on them. You don't want them at super high temperatures. And this is, again... Um, Contact with contaminated water and we're gonna like Borrelia and all the other words we've used today petechia this is called by pseudomonas aeruginosa and It is commonly found in areas of hot tubs water slides whirlpools. It likes water It's a bacteria that likes to be around water. You can get it in plants as well like plant water um, That's why in intensive care units. They don't allow you sometimes to bring in live plants with a vase um, Because you can get pseudomonas in the air so something to think about. And what happens is the bacteria causes a skin infection at the base of the hair follicles, and it results in redness, swelling and itching, and it's all over your body. It is hot, it is red, it is raised a little bit, and it really follows follows a pattern of your hair. And what do you really do for this? You, you gotta get out of the hot tub, avoid unchlorinated or contaminated hot tubs, And like we said, it's Benadryl, it's Calamine, it's hydrocortisone. You can put cool cloths on it. And certainly, if you suspect it, you're probably going to need some antibiotics. So you know, a trip to the emergency department, a trip to your primary care doctor, because hot tub folliculitis, you'd probably be treated with an antibiotic.
1: So basically, like you said, you know, all these rashes, they have similar treatments. You know. Protection, kind of similar, and uh, I'm like you said, we could talk about rashes all night.
2: Yeah, hopefully, we gave you a little bit of an overview of what's common.
1: Yeah, and there's rashes that come from fungus. There's rashes that come from other bacterial viruses. Absolutely,
2: and we Th- can go on. There's all. Par- other parasites. We could go all night long, um, but we won't. And you know, <laughs> You're hopefully,
1: rashed out at this um, point.
2: I-, I love rashes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: something. You know.
2: It's something that you know, it's our bread and butter. It's what we do every day. Um, But I would also stress a couple things. One, if you have an interest in learning more, we certainly have our classes that you can take. Um, There are module after module of of, that you can learn about rashes, um, both baby rashes, common rashes, summer rashes, um, and really be prepared as a parent and increase your toolbox as a parent. And we have
1: a lot of photos that
2: correct Coordinate, go, along with the descriptions go to blog and all your on classes and again we're available for parent coaching as well um, and
1: Dr. Chris and myself we have are, are available for the consultations as well you have a question 15 30 minute consultation if you'd like
2: correct and i would add you know we've we've done a fair amount of parent coaching and we do typically for about 3 months and we do a special where we do for new moms and new dads where we do it through eight months of pregnancy through the first three or four months, and it has been unbelievably well received uh, for new and I parents. I just love doing it. I, I do too, and it—it's we're really there. We do once a week Zoom calls with you, we do unlimited texting, and we're really there to help you kind of work through those difficult times in the first three months, especially for new moms and dads. They're coming home, they're like, oh my God, I have this bundle of joy, now what? Um, it's been super exciting. And and all your relatives disappear after a week.
1: Oh yeah, um, they're, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're And
2: you know, you've called your pediatrician, they're not calling you back, you don't know where, whether I should go to the emergency department, and you know, we don't provide medical care, but we provide guidance. We provide, we'll help you organize. We will help you um, answer questions about feeding, about sleeping, what's right, what's not right, and really using medical expertise as well as parental expertise. Mm -hmm. So also keep in mind if you have any questions, you can message us at info at blueemeraldwellness.com
1: yeah we love we love questions and And comments
2: exactly and if you have an interest in coaching you can message us that way as well and lastly check out www.blueemeraldwellness.com and if you like us follow us and leave us a great review have
0: a great night everyone
1: yeah thank you until the next podcast have a great night bye
0: that's all for today's episode thank you for joining our mom and doc talk Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at wearekidshealthsecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.